Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, where the podcast focusing on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we've had our second round of URC action, the third round of Premiership. Why, have you been able to watch any of the games? Have you been able to get any of the action? Because, you know, I've, I've got that MLR, like, jonesing for a hit of that, man. I just need <laughs> to have some rugby coming in, and I have to wake up, like, on the early hours of uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to <laughs> get a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was able to able to catch a, a decent amount of it. Um, you know, at least uh, for your MLRH, at least there uh, there's a lot of signings and trades and stuff happening right now. Yeah. It's, it's it's nice. It feels like a real league. The off season being like super busy and everybody. It's like one step away from being the NBA at this point. We just need um, like, yeah. we just need like some superstar players to get traded to demand trades publicly and then uh, get traded for like twelve guys. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, it was good. Um, as uh, we had uh, my uh. A- Aussie Rules football team had a uh, an AFL Grand Final party on Friday night, in which I think we were at the bar until like four a.m. So Premiership Rugby Saturday morning was a nice uh, recovery session, basically. Um, and you know, thankfully, a lot of the games in uh, the Premiership were a hell of a lot closer than that AFL Grand Final. Oh, yeah. um, that I think was, uh, I I, I think. Um, I think the Sydney Swans like tried to throw in a towel after ten minutes, but then um, we're probably we're told that they had to actually play the rest of the game because it's not like a combat sport where you can just stop if you want. Yeah. Um. No mercy rule in the AFL apparently. Um. But yeah. So I was like the Saracens, Owen mm-hmm. Farrell kick on the last play of the game to uh to you know to win that Sunday morning too. That did you watch the Quins Exeter game? I got highlights of it, but yeah, yeah, it looked amazing. Wild. Um, And uh, as somebody that bet on the Harlequins, because there was a really good line for them, and my complete unbiased opinion, that pass was totally forward. Like I said, (laughs) though, complete unbiased opinion um, on that pass. Um, But either way, man, that was a hell of a try Um, and a hell of a way to kind of end the game. Uh, I guess sad premiership stuff, though. This uh, rest in peace, Warriors. Yes, unfortunately, the Worcester Warriors have now gone into administration. They were unable to reach their financial uh, requirements by 5 p.m. British time uh, today. So they have gone into administration. The club has locked the doors. Their insurance uh, effectively expired at midnight. And uh, at the moment, there is no game happening against Gloucester this weekend and looks to be an automatic victory for uh the cherry and whites the cherry Um, and whites unless they're on the road in which they wear blue that is true well they're not anywhere because uh there's no game going on so um as a result they're suspended from not only the uh men's premiership but also the women's uh premier 15s as well and yeah, it's a really unfortunate situation. However, this doesn't mean that it is completely the end of the Warriors by being placed in administration from what I've gathered is the ideal position for new investors to come in. Hopefully it exposes the financial statements and uh, deals could be made. And yeah, hopefully within a few weeks or a few months, we'll be able to see the Warriors run out again and compete in the premiership 
it may only be for a few games for this season and they may have to be relegated to the championship but that is what's going on now this may also be a similar fate to the wasps as well because there's similar circumstances about <laughs> unpaid tax bills and financial guarantees but that is yet to be seen so but all we can say conclusively at this moment in time is that the warriors have gone into administration we're wishing all the best for the players, the staff, and yeah, we're hoping that this issue can get resolved as soon as possible. Yeah. In a happier European rugby news, uh, Tyler Duguid absolutely killed it for Montpellier on the weekend. Oh, yeah. I saw so that, that as well. Yeah. BC, uh, BC uh, Rugby News post- posted quite the highlight reel. So that was cool. Saw that trending a little bit over the uh, Canadian <laughs> rugby social media. Uh, Priscillier apparently scored a try too. Um, so it's. Looking like uh, some of the Canadian boys are uh, killing it over in France, um, which uh, which is all obviously great to see. What's uh, what happened with the Ospreys? I need my weekly Ospreys update from the only person I know that cheers for the Ospreys. Well, unfortunately, they fell short in the game by one point. So, like, absolutely heartbreaking. However, they did secure the try bonus point and the losing bonus point in that. So. You know, silver linings and all that. It may make the world of difference come the end of the uh, year and when they're fighting for either playoff positions or even the uh, Welsh Shield, which would guarantee their um, position in the following year's European Championship games. So we are yet to be seen, but it is very early to tell. I was going to say, speaking, shout out to the All Blacks for winning the rugby championship despite being absolute garbage. Yeah, because yeah. Australia were worse. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, just I, according to the New Zealand rugby media, it's the word they're the worst rugby team of all time. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, if, shout if, out to yeah. If they haven't beaten a team fifty nil, then everyone <laughs> yeah. needs to get replaced, and yeah, it's a disgrace to what it is in All Black land. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's the best. It's the yeah. uh, I want I, I want any sports team that I passionately cheer for to get to the point where like winning a championship, winning anything that you could be like where we won the championship, and you're like not good enough, just no, not good enough this this time. It's like despicable, disappointing. Yeah, you're either undefeated or you might as well finish last. Apparently, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, there was an international game that we would like to talk about. However, unfortunately. There's been very little options of getting a replay of it because it was played at 2 a.m. Eastern time. And that is Canada's final warm-up game against Fiji. So, as we said, played in Fiji, Fiji time makes perfect sense. But sadly, um, we've tried to um, follow the app because although we thought it would be on TSN, it unfortunately was not. It was on a private um well, it's, not private. it's a it wasn't like that that's kind of the thing it's like i know like uh that game i guess was 2 a.m on friday so i guess thursday night i guess um or super late thursday night um yeah it's like it was available on uh that fijian app and i guess like i'm kind of torn on it because i'm like I suppose I could have stayed up and watched it. So I feel bad that I didn't like stay up and watch it live. Cause I guess it was available live. Um, I was really hoping there'd be like a replay of it, but um, unfortunately like 
I, I unfortunately it's just at a bad time, like 2 a.m. start, I guess, kind of feels like it's too late to stay up for. It's too early to wake up early for. Um, it's weird, like in that weird gray area. And then I guess, uh, you know, when you got to work and stuff too, right? The uh, the next yeah. day. Yeah. Stupid um, job asking me to do stupid things and pay me a stupid wage. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. It's like dumb society making making people work for, uh, you know, an disgraceful money. Man. And then we have to use the mm. money to pay for everything. And now everything's like super expensive mm. and stuff. Thanks, inflation. So. I don't know. Yeah. Well, back to the game itself, because um, unfortunately, there's been so little reported about this match that Rugby Canada doesn't even have a post-match like analysis of the game on their website or an article taken about it. But um, all we know is the try scorers and the final score, and that is about it. So. We won't uh, delay you any longer. The final score was Fiji 7, Canada 24. So another victory for the women. It was 0-0 uh, zero, zero at halftime. Though. Exactly. Yeah. That was the way. So this is just a 40-minute uh, scoring percentage. So we do have some words. This is from the uh, Fiji Rugby Union. Uh, so it may be a bit biased towards uh, Fijiana, so... Uh, Fijiana stood tall in the defense and held a heavy Canadian forward pack in the first half. Canada has a lot of opportunities but failed to capitalize and Fijiana managed to keep them at bay. A mistake by the Fijiana at the beginning of the second half saw Canada run through their opening try, scored by a Sarah Kalajuvi. It took just minutes as Fijiana bounced back and loved up after Sesenieli Donu broke the opponent's defense and delivered it to Akinisi Sukaiwasa, who dived in for a try. Canada then mounted the pressure and scored three more tries to seal the match. Now, it doesn't say in this article who the try scorers were, but we do have the names down here. It, uh, it was Grant, Boag, and Bokaboom. And special mention to Bokaboom as well, because this was her 50th cap for Rugby Canada. So massive congratulations to her. And yeah, congratulations to Tyson for getting that. Uh, the fifth woman in Canadian history to reach 50 caps. So absolutely fantastic. And yeah, hope to see you add to that uh, cap tally in the uh, World Cup, which is coming up in just a few weeks now. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Two two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah, it's close. It's close. Ta time is a flat circle, ever encroaching on the yeah, soul. October eighth, I think, right? It's the first game? October. 8th. Yeah, so it's yeah. Oct so it's October 9th in New Zealand, but it's October eighth in uh Canada. Uh so it will be at ten fifteen PM on October eighth. Um, for Canada's first match of the Women's Rugby World Cup in Japan against Japan. And now I can confirm that that match will be on TSN, as will all the pool games for Canada as well. Yeah, so apologies for getting it wrong about the Fiji game, ah. but it is confirmed. I've checked on yeah. the Rugby World Cup website. It even says broadcast on TSN. So we're all good. We're all going to be fine. And uh, um, the other big piece of news, too, is that uh, Chloe Daniels is replacing uh, Marie Thibault in um, in the squad for uh, the World Cup. So uh, Daniels is just 19 years old. She plays for Queens. And um, 
you know, going to get your her uh, first, I guess, possibly getting her uh, first test cap at the World Cup. So, um, yeah, well, a bit of a ride. Yeah. yeah welcome to the deep end. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Should, yeah it should be fun. Should Trial be fun. by fire. It's the way you should. Uh, it's the way everything should be done. Just throw. Want to learn how to swim? Jump in. No life jacket. You'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so yeah, it's so now less than two weeks until uh, the Women's World Cup kicks off and we'll be cheering on Canada and all the women as they compete uh, in the World Cup 2021 uh, taking place in 2022. <laughs> now, we'll move it a bit closer to home with the Arrows and they've been making more moves in their development of their squad for 2023. And this, mm. this, this is a big one. The Arrows have signed... From the Bristol Bears, Mitch Eady. He was a loose forward. Um, he was released by the Bears at the end of last season. He's been playing local rugby in the meanwhile, and it has been confirmed that he will be playing for the Arrows in 2023. Uh, you know, a incredible player um, has played over 150 games for the Bears over two stints. He's also played for uh, Northampton Saints as well. And he was capped for Scotland under-20s as well back in the day. So, you know, definitely a player with a lot of experience. Um, and he's been, he'll be making the move over with his family as well. And, you know, he's uh, lots of positives that have come, uh, that have come from uh, Mitch about talking with the team and I say team like the backroom team so like Mark Winokur, Bill Webb, uh, the club's ambitions, his own goals and how they sync up with the Arrows as well and yeah excited for them to make the move over to Toronto you know the guy is six foot three 240 pounds he's uh, been named uh, players player of the season twice for Bristol, so obviously like well liked amongst his um, colleagues as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, you know, hoping that we can get some uh, Bristol uh, supporters to pay attention to some Arrows games in 2023 as well. When uh, Mitch laces up the boots for the blue and white of Toronto, well, they were probably paying attention when they had those uh, Manuel Diana rumors too. Although that that did not pan out, I guess so. Yeah, Bristol, we are uh, well. Yeah, can, can, can you find it? Do you, what do you find like more ridiculous is that um, Manuel Diana didn't go to Bristol, or the fact that a Bristol player came to Toronto before a Toronto player went to Bristol? Ooh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if either one would be necessarily overly ridiculous. Like, there's been a handful of MLR guys that have jumped over to a, uh, um. Like I guess to to Europe and uh, playing in some bigger leagues, so an MLR player going over there isn't necessarily unheard of. Um, and then yeah, like uh, you know, Mitch Eady, it's like uh, he's not on a uh, like a Premiership roster right now, right? So it's like essentially a free agent, right? So free agents yeah. are gonna look for uh, look for other leagues. So it's not the it's I think it's good in the sense that you know it shows that it's you know it is a the MLR is. I guess becoming like a desirable spot landing spot for guys that are in Europe or, you know, yeah. maybe just missed the cut for a team this season. Uh, um, right. So I think that's, uh, I think that all kind of works out. So I don't really think I would find either one like necessarily overly ri- 
ridiculous. Um, I think it's uh it's great that uh Edie is uh is joining the squad, obviously. Um the arrows past couple of weeks, uh the back row's looking nice. Um yeah. some signings here. So I mean as it stands right now, what the back row, three back row players have signed, O'Neill, um, O'Neill Larson and now Edie. Um, so you know, that's that that ain't bad, obviously, um, depending on who else is coming back. But um we said like the arrows last year, the arrows um back row was probably the deepest part of the team and then now they're adding Edie and uh larson to it so that's pretty good um i think in all honesty like you know looking at looking at his bio and stuff right it's so he played for bristol he played for bristol while they were in the championship helped them get promotion to the premiership um you know and then you know had a couple other stints on other premiership teams as well um but like you said he's played like I guess 150 games of pro rugby split between the championship and the premiership. Um, and I, I think honestly, like the thing that is the most appealing to me about him coming here, um, as you said, like from um, that article at the arrows pointed out, pointing out that he's won like the, uh, the bears, like players player award. What would you say twice? Yes. Players yeah. player of the season. Yeah. Players player of the season twice. Um, which I think I think it's the part that excites me the most, like even more so than, um, you know, the, his skill level or the type of game that he can bring is it's like, just have some more guys in the, like some more guys in the locker room and stuff as we know, like there's some, um, there's some like key players that, that are gone. Um, yeah. right. Like notably like, you know, guest, like say like Gaston Mirez, for example, right. A guy that's mm-hmm. been, you know, you know, one of the most highest capped players for Uruguay. He's been a, you know, he's played at the highest level. He's played in World Cups and stuff, right? Knows everything there is to know about being a professional rugby player. And you know, and I think that's something that like Edie can bring if he's winning like players' player awards, yeah. um, coming over. Like I think that's a guy that can, to me, sounds like that's a guy that can contribute to the culture. Um, of the locker room knows what it takes to be a professional player um you know knows has been obviously like in the championship to gain promotion you got to win right mm-hmm. so been part of a championship team at a professional level as well um you know um can kind of teach like a lot of the uh the younger guys like what it means to be a professional rugby player because like the reality of especially for the north american guys in this league in this league as a whole, right. Is that like, most of them are like realistically pretty, still pretty new to being a pro player. Right. Um, you know, at most five, six years at most for guys that have been in the league since year one. Mm. Right. So, um, it's always, I think it's always good, even though, you know, even though like he's only 30, which isn't, which isn't old by any stretch of the imagination or whatever, but he's been a pro rugby player for, like quite some time right so it's you know it's uh it's always good to i think it's always good to kind of bring in those guys that can kind of help everyone along in the locker room yeah and, um you know i think i think there's there's a reason that like you know you go out of your way to highlight stuff like the players player of the year or whatever because it's i mean it, you know it does mean something even if you're not the best player on the team it's like you know you have to have those guys that are good in the locker room and stuff, have those glue guys that can, you know, guys that can take care of like, you know, do the, the team bonding stuff or take care of like, you know, any disagreements or anything that happens within the locker room. It's like, you have to have those guys that are able to like, you know, 
show what it means to just be like the best teammate yeah and what it means to be a pro and stuff and i think like even beyond his skill level which is obviously great you know it's like i think that's something that he can bring to the i think that's immediately something that he can bring to the team so to be honest i was more excited reading that he was a player's player of the year twice than any of his actual on-field accomplishments or his skill level it's also cool that he's uh talking about his family coming over uh to toronto and stuff because that's always that's always like i think like the biggest um, the biggest and best thing that you can kind of see from a lot of these guys that have played overseas, played in the biggest leagues in the world is like the full buy-in and stuff completely yeah. moving, moving their families and stuff over. And, uh, you know, hope, uh, you know, arriving in Toronto, um, well, whenever he is, he's actually going to arrive in Toronto, whatever the arrows timeline is for that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's, uh, it's, it always works out well. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having him on the squad. Yeah. And I think, uh, having your family here as well is obviously like a big thing. And, you know, as a um, foreigner who's come over to Toronto myself, you know, that there's a big like expat community as well. So there's going to be a big British community. I know it was also, um, I think it was Micah Torrance Reed who was mentioning about his family as well. Uh, coming over from Australia, I know there's an Australian community in Toronto as well. I wonder so, if I can get them to play Aussie Rules football in the off season. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah, they probably shouldn't be allowed to play play other sports. Yeah, yeah, especially contact sport yeah, or potentially high contact. high risk sports. That I, I, I think, never that, said I, that, that I think it's fair. That's fair. You can watch it, but you can't. My plan play was it. to not tell the arrows about it. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have mentioned this on a podcast. I don't know. Maybe does he have a brother? Does he bring in a brother or something over? What about his, his dad, his son? How old's his kids? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You have to ask him. Yes. Yeah, uh, maybe he's got friends. Tell him to bring his friends. Yeah, oh, when his friends come over to see his first match in uh, uh, first home game for the Arrows, yeah. then they can. Uh, there we go. Always. You know, we need to always be recruiting. So. Oh wait, well, we're all we're on the ball with this. Come on, we, we never stop. <laughs> All right, now, so we're going from talking about a player with a lot of uh, senior experience to a new tournament, which will possibly be focusing on younger talent as well, because uh, according to America's Rugby News, there is the American's Rugby Trophy Tournament that will be happening this October. Uh, and this is a uncapped tournament between Canada, Chile, and Brazil. And Brazil are set to host all the games. So all these teams will be like 15. So Canada, 15, Brazil, 15, Chile, 15. And so it's um, three games over the space of 10 days. So the first game will be on October the 16th, which is a Sunday. And that is Brazil versus Chile. Uh, the second game, which will be on the 21st, which is a Friday, will be Chile versus Canada. Uh, the final game, which will be on October the 26th, which is a Wednesday, will be Brazil versus Canada. And according to America's Rugby News, Brazil and Chile wanted these to be capped matches, but Canada did not, which is interesting. But then at the same time, I believe it is only a few days later in that October, uh, October the 29th is when Canada are set to host the All Blacks 15. So, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from of 
if it's a fully capped game, they would need to have their, you know, coach, their personnel down in Brazil, and then they have to immediately fly back to, uh, fly back to Canada where this game is going to take place. Um, most likely at uh, BC Place in um, Vancouver, in the space oh. of three days. So. Now again, it's not confirmed. I was just, I was just we have no idea. We don't know where it is. Considering the CFL schedule, it appears that BC Place and Tim Hortons Field are really the most likely venues for this game to be held. And BC Place has double the capacity of Tim Hortons Field, and also say, it's the All Blacks. So, yeah. to be clear, we have no idea where this game is going to be. Absolutely played no idea. They said it's a home game. Before we recorded, we were just we took a look at the CFL schedule because we're curious because of this news. And it's just um the Argos have a home game against Montreal on the 29th. The Red Blacks have a home game against Hamilton on the 29th. And then even a little bit to expand more, Calgary is hosting Saskatchewan on the 29th. Winnipeg is hosting BC on the Friday, the 28th. So basically from that, if you were to play it in a bigger stadium, you're looking at Vancouver, Hamilton, maybe Saskatchewan, Edmonton, uh, Montreal, I guess. If you're looking for like a big full-size stadium. And I mean, realistically, the Vancouver and Vancouver and Hamilton and Edmonton have all hosted games. So I suppose it could be there. We're just trying to do like a silly like process of elimination thing yeah. from the CFL schedule. Um but you never know where that actually, obviously like there's other options too, but, um, but yeah, so we don't know where that game is, um, but it obviously kind of conflicts with this tournament mm-hmm. a little bit. Also, I think like side note, like are we at all concerned that we're about a month away from that game and we still don't know where it is? Uh, well, we're not the ones organizing it, so I'm not too yeah, concerned. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Either way, though, yeah. I think it's it, it is interesting that uh, Canada doesn't didn't want it to be capped. Um, as you kind of mentioned, though, first of all, Brazil and Chile both wanted it to be capped. As you mentioned, though, there's obviously an All Black fifteen game. So, from Canada's point of view, I think you're right. You probably want your your star players right to be playing against the All Blacks which then kind of means you're probably sending a bit of a weaker team down to Chile. My whole thing, though, is I think it's interesting because I think that could have been, and maybe this is just me, like, overthinking things a lot. But I think one of the things that we have constantly talked about on this podcast um, through the duration of us doing the podcast, one of the biggest topics um, that we've discussed when you know, for free agency and major league rugby and everything is a visa issue, which can all get, which we have learned gets incredibly helped if you have a cap. So I was like, could this, you got two games here. If the big boys are playing the all blacks, the all black 15. Yeah. It's not, could that not have been an opportunity to say, okay, fine, we'll cap this game, these two games. And then even if you lose, I know you don't want to slide in the world rankings and just throw out, say, over two games, you bring a different roster size, 30 guys maybe, 
and yeah. just be like, let's just cap, 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 and make it easy, make it easier for like a whole bunch of guys to potentially get, you know, make it easier on guys to get MLR jobs because you can have them be like, you can point to a bunch of guys and be like, they got a cap, they got a cap, they got a cap. I don't know. Am I? Yeah. I might be overthinking that, but. Does, well, is that an opportunity that you could just been like, oh, it's capable? Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from because that makes sense. Obviously, as in, if the so, I know there's this, um, I think it's like a player who's playing for both or has been training with both Canada and the USA, um, over this summer. And because they is only part of training squads, he's not been like capped by either nation but if he was to play for one of these games he could be secured i think because yeah, i remember when we were interviewing uh michael smith he was talking about um his visa processing he also included like under 20s games yeah. um uncapped which you know are all uncapped but they may be uh, retention games. So as in, you, yes, you're not capped by your official nation, but yeah. because you have played for essentially their second team, you are caught and I mean, held. all help, but yeah. I was just like, if the cap is the thing that, like, especially for, like, just visa purposes and stuff, if the cap's the thing the U.S. government is going to look for, yeah. Right. Then, like, I don't know. Well, then again, it may also be a out. case of that if you've, if you can get like proof that, oh, you have represented your nation on the international stage. Yeah. That might and help. it's, and it's not a cap, so to speak, but the wording of what they're looking for is so vague that it, you know, still helps the process. Yeah. Then I'm fine with that. But yeah, this would be a good opportunity, especially, um, you know, I'm always a proponent of getting younger players out there. And, you know, maybe these are the guys who are like, you know, on the edge of making selection. Maybe they're like the oh. third or fourth pick for a position. Yeah, that's I, I don't know who would who the coach would be to look after them. If uh, Kingsley Jones and say Rob Howley. Uh, Bill Mack. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Actually, well, would they? Because um, the Pacific Pride's going on uh, roughly the same time, isn't yeah, it? So. Yeah, but you can be there for a week. Well, it's 10 days, but that could still mean that you're missing two games from... But, well, okay, but the Pride is also like the Canadian development team. So how many Pride guys are going to be playing in this game anyways? Uh, that is fair. That is fair. How many um, pride guys should be playing in this game? That'd be because that's the thing that'd be interesting. Like, um, we is the other the thing I actually like. I mean, I think I'm like I'm probably overthinking the whole cap thing. That's fine. Um, but I think like one of the things that this tournament would probably be good for is like the fact that you're going to have guys that are going to go play this all black fifteen game. Yeah, and then you like how often does Canada get like this sort of like how often have we had this like like a team b team kind of setup where we can be like there could be like you know what I mean we could have like 60 guys like in a 
like you know kind of a canada camp preparing for international games right yeah. like so I, I, mean, I get where you're coming from yeah like yeah. that could be a good thing right and uh you know get some guys some playing time with you know playing against brazil or against chile like i think that'll be good and you know i i mean like even talking about the caps and stuff it's like hey I mean, if you're like a younger player that is uncapped and you're gonna go play chile or brazil or whatever it's a good opportunity to kind of show what you got because i'm assuming if um brazil and chile are at, wanted this to be a capped game they're probably in fully intending on sending pretty good teams to this um so uh yeah, like, as well yeah so it uh like i mean I, I don't know i'm excited for it it's good to see guys getting more opportunities to play um especially and guys getting more opportunities to play especially when the national team might be playing other games too right a little yeah. bit yeah a little bit of a, a better chance, a more of a chance to like represent Canada and play at a yeah. high level. It's, it's always nice. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, well, we did say that the first game is going to be on October 16th. Uh, the first game for Canada will be on October 21st. So we are less than a month away from that tournament. You can mm-hmm. It's all kicking off in October. I was going to say, it's going to be October's going to be busy. October's going to be fun, is what it's going to be. Um, all right. So. Uh, last week, we mentioned that we were going to be talking about laws of the game of rugby. And we started off with talking about number one, the pitch. And so for this week's uh, um, insight into the laws of the game, we're looking at number two, which is the ball. You know, the key factor that makes our sport different from, you know, so many others. So the ball is oval and it's made of four panels. The ball is between 280 and 300 millimeters in length, 740 to 770 millimeters in point-to-point circumference, and 580 to 620 millimeters in width circumference. It weighs 410 to 460 grams, and the ball is made of leather or suitable synthetic material, and it may be treated to make it water-resistant and easier to grip. The air pressure at the start of play is set at 65.71 to 68.75 kilopascals, which is 0.67 to 0.7 kilos per square centimeter, or 9.5 to 10 pounds per square inch. And of course, spare balls may be available during a match, which I think is really important because when you see a player kick it right up into the uh, nosebleed seat, <laughs> you're not waiting five minutes for someone to pass it all the way back down to pitch side. So you're just able to get the ball going and get it moving along as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've all played uh, club level games in which the uh, the number of balls available is is scarce. Yeah, Sometimes. significantly less. Than, yeah, uh, yeah, Jessica. exactly. And the, uh, the you ever get the ones like the ref has to call time off while somebody. Uh, I know, uh, like not rugby, but uh, where we play Aussie rules football, it's at Humber College, and there's a river behind the goals. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes, and we there's only so many game balls you can use. So when yeah. guys score goals, the ball ends up in the river sometimes, and there's like a little delay while we have to go get the ball. Yeah, no. So, it's like, I mean, it's uh, having. Well, a well, it's, it should be the classic, a classic rule of if you kicked it out, you have to get it back. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like so that is that okay? So that's kind of so we did kind of the lines, the pitch yesterday, the ball, obviously kind of fun, and as you kind of mentioned, there is some like varying differences in what the balls yeah. can kind of look like and stuff, which you can kind of see even at like test level because I mean you got like 
the Gilberts are used quite a bit um, around the world. You got um, New Zealand has that Adidas contract. So you get super rugby and stuff using the Adidas balls. Everything's a little bit different. Um, you know, we uh, we got, what do we got in the MLR? We got Rhino in the MLR, yeah. those balls and stuff. So what's, uh, what's your favorite ball? What's oh. like because they're all slightly different. Well, they yeah. are all slightly like when, different. When you're playing, I, like, what do you go with? I am partial to a Gilbert, but I think that may just be a case of when um, we were growing up. Classic, right? And it, it would be like the ball at a lot of like English schools and stuff yeah. like that. So, and then because my dad was a teacher as well, he would have access to some rugby balls, and so whenever we would. Um, you know, just do like skill training or things like that. It would always be a Gilbert ball. And then that's we would it. use them. Yeah, you know, you just get uh, comfortable with yeah. what you're used to, and that's what you. Yeah, got. I think that's the thing. It's like, um, like I know, like it's it's interesting. It's like I guess it's that, um, it's it's almost you know what I mean. Like to me, it's like I my default assumption is Gilbert. All like unless like unless I actually see like the other ball. It's almost like how like you know um. Like when you say the brand name for just a product, like Kleenex, yeah, or whatever, right? Like that's almost how like a Gilbert ball feels. It's like that's just the default that I assume everybody uses, unless it's different on that one day. Then I'm like, oh yeah, right. There's a uh, like I guess there's a lot of like other balls that are technically out there and stuff. But yeah, I was I think like Gilbert's the classic one, right? It's the one that yeah. they actually the, Gilbert actually makes the balls like in rugby, right? Or like they have like an office in rugby or something. Like they're like the OG like ball. Like they're like like at like they actually played with it at the rugby school, I believe. Right. So it's kind of, I believe. Are you're fact checking me? Uh, I'm just finding out just to make absolutely sure. I better be right. I'm always right. I'm never wrong on this podcast. That's totally not true. I'm wrong about like (laughs) twelve things a podcast. But, um, but yeah, like I'm pretty. So I think like. Because of that too. Also, it's like it's got like they figured out like the design, like how to make the ball like look nice too, like the way they do the stripes and everything. And then, I mean, I guess unless games are in New Zealand, right? It's, yeah. It seems to be the the default. Or... Well, I understand what you can't. I mean, Gilbert um, have provided uh, rugby the, balls for yeah, every World ball. Cup since 1995. So I mean, it's it's the classic yeah. ball. It's the classic ball. Yeah, it's uh, named after William Gilbert. Um, and everything in rugby is this guy's yeah. name William, eh? Yeah, uh, who along with his nephew James developed rugby balls for the neighboring rugby school. I so got it. I definitely. Knew I got it. There you go. That's where it comes yeah. from. Yeah, I know. Um, they made like shoes or something, right? Before uh, the ball. They, so this is what the products that they make for rugby union balls, obviously. No, but I uh, meant like before they no, made rugby nah. balls. They were right. like, they did something before they made rugby balls. They've done a lot of the things. So this is what the, this is the products they make: uh, balls, um, kits, uh, protective gear. That's body armor, shoulder pads, uh, head guards, scrum caps, mouth guards, and gloves. When they were used, uh, they've they have made boots, um, compression garments. They made bags, safety cones, tees, water bottles, and tackle bags. So, if it's any equipment you use in rugby, it's likely that you use Gilbert. Yeah. Okay, so like what I was trying to figure out though is like, yeah, before they started making balls, he, uh, William Gilbert was a cobbler, yeah, according to Wikipedia. So yeah, I made shoes, yeah, right. Which I guess translates to rugby is they do make boots, right? So I guess that the the old the original family traditions still continue. 
Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, pretty much every, almost every union in the, uh, in the league, or almost every union in the world kind of, I think, I don't know, it's just kind of the default ball, I guess. Um, which I guess, technically, if you're looking at the world rugby laws, I guess if it is an international, I guess that is technically a rule, right? It's got to be a Gilbert ball for test matches, unless they're played in New Zealand, right? Because they can use the, uh, yeah, the rugby, there's all the but, rugby. Well, that's if, if you've seen a, if you've seen a World Cup match yeah. since 1995, it's been a Gilbert Bowl. Yeah. So, does the yeah. entire rugby championship use Adidas, or is it just? Uh, I don't know because uh, I think it's like all black games have an Adidas ball for yeah. a lot of them, don't they? Mm. So remember that was a thing at one point in time because you can kick them differently, and that was like a big deal with like. Yeah, I remember seeing something about that. Anyway, if you're looking to catch the next uh, Gilbert Ball passing by, then uh, you can watch it on Sportsnet because the Premiership and the URC will be continuing on there. And we've mentioned all these games that are happening in October, but nothing's happening uh, this weekend. Besides that, unfortunately, we just have to wait a little bit longer for the America's Rugby Trophy and, of course, the Rugby World Cup. Well, we're going to end the podcast there. Um, If you enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to more of them, you can do so on Spotify, Anchor FM, or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed watching this podcast and would like to watch um, more podcasts, including clips from the games of last season where we interview players, then you can do so on our YouTube channel at LaRouge Rugby. And if you'd like to message us across social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at LaRouge Rugby. Derek, where can the people find you? At Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms. And you can find me across social media at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast as we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.